Well, at the age of eight, I went to my parents and I asked them if I could begin playing football. Uh, I had played soccer and I had played baseball and I had played basketball. And at the age of eight, being a huge Oklahoma Sooners fan and watching football with my dad on on Saturdays, I asked if I could play football. Um, They, I think a little reluctantly, they, they said yes and allowed me to play football. I was always undersized, and so people were often surprised when I told them I had played football and I played on my, my whole life. But, but I remember at, at the age of eight going to football really for the first time and doing this drill. Uh, I don't know, m- most of you have maybe not played football, and so this might be new to you, but what would happen is they would put one person in the middle of everybody else, and they would give everybody a number, right? So They'd call me out and I'd get in the middle of the circle and then everyone would stand around me and everybody would have a number. And then the coach would call out a number and that person would run full speed at the person in the middle of the circle and try and hit them as hard as they possibly can. It was called bull in the ring. Sounds great, right? And so you would stand there and you would just take on a hit. And then about that time, as soon as you got hit, they would call out another number. And then you had to be able to find where that person was was coming from. And then you would do this a few times, and then they would call out multiple numbers, right? And so you're just getting hit from, from all over the, the place. And I, I would remember, even as an eight-year-old, the next morning, I would just wake up, and my arms would have these lumps and bruises all over them that would stay for, for days. And I'd go back and get to do it again just a, a few days later. Somehow I stuck with football uh, for, for several years. But as we start this series called Collision Course, uh, we're going to talk about conflict, And for some of you, I have a feeling you might feel like your life is that. That you feel like just every moment, you're just waiting for the next conflict. You you feel like you have your head on a swivel and you're waiting for the next person who's going to cause a problem or next person who has an issue with you. And so you're always responding to it. And for many of us, we do have wounds. We have wounds. We, We have the bruises. Maybe you can't see them physically, but we have the emotional maybe even spiritual, relational. We, we have these bruises that come from conflict. And so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about this, uh, about the issue of, of conflict. And, and we have a few years ago, I talked a little bit about this, but, but I think this is one of those things we could honestly every year spend some time talking about conflict. We could talk about how to deal with conflict in a, in a healthy way. And so we're going to start off this series uh, today, and we're going to figure out how to successfully do this. Together, we're going to figure out how do we successfully deal with the conflict that's in our life. And so when we talk conflict, we're really talking these disagreements, these arguments that often last an extended amount of time, right? Not, not just the, I said something I shouldn't have, I'm sorry, and you move on, but, but really we're going to look at these conflicts that are ongoing in our lives. And so I really think this is a great series. For, for some of you, maybe you don't know if the Bible is still uh, really relevant to our lives? Does it have anything to say about what we're, we're dealing with? This is one of those series where it is going to deal very specifically about how to deal with conflict. Uh, I, I really hope that this is one of those series, maybe you don't normally take uh, notes, but maybe this is one of those, we're going to want to jot some things down. I want to give you some tangible tools on how to do this and, and, and that we could get better together at doing this. And the reason I think we're not good at it is because no one's really taught us how to deal with conflict. I know I didn't. As a, as a child growing up, no one taught me how to deal with conflict. And often what happens is we watch our parents deal with conflict. And they weren't taught how to deal with conflict, usually. 
And so it's often this cycle. There, there's ways we respond to conflict. And, and so we've learned that from someone. It's not a skill that most of us have. Uh, I'm right now, I'm taking on a project and redoing uh, my bathroom and I'm tiling it with subway tiles. I don't know why I made that decision. Um, I do know um, I had some influence on why we made that decision, but I love it. It's going to look beautiful when we're, uh, when we're done. Uh, but, but I started working on it. I have no idea what I'm doing. No clue what I'm doing. My, my father-in-law is very generous. I call him often, send pictures, and he helps me. And I, I research on YouTube. I felt very successful. I got two rows done in about six hours. It was a, it was a, it was a win. I redid those two rows several times. But, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I need someone else to help me. I need someone else to physically show me or tell me. And that's what my father-in-law has been helpful in. And YouTube helps me figure that out. But I just can't do it on my own. And so this idea of conflict, I don't think we're just going to figure it out. I don't think we're going to figure it out. I think we need some outside help. And I really believe that the Bible can help us do that. And so maybe you don't know if you believe the Bible. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Uh, I really, if you would just put some of these things into practice, I think you would see some change in your, in your life. Because this is what I believe to be true. You can have it all. You can have it all. You can have all the money you want. You can have the car you want and the house and the job. You could have it all. But if your relationships are in turmoil, you are not happy. If there's conflict in your life, it does not matter what you have. You have to begin to deal with some of these issues that are in our, in our lives. And we know that some of these conflicts are, are quick and they, they come spur of the moment. But some of the conflict in our life has been around for a while, and we don't have to try hard to get into conflict. It's not hard. We can do conflict well. It, it's, it's something that comes, it happens all the time, and it happens quickly, and it hurts, and it damages us, especially when it's those people who are close to us, right? You could have conflict as you're driving down the road, and someone doesn't like how you drive. There's a little bit of a tension and conflict there, but, but as we look at this, we're, we're really looking at those relationships with the people around us that we have conflict with. And I'm just going to give you a couple reasons I think we're in conflict. So this is going to set us up for the whole series. Uh, this is actually kind of part one of a two-part uh, message. I I'm going to ask you to do something at the end of this. And I'm only going to give you one thing to do because it's a lot. Um, and then next week, I'll give you several tools of what to do once you've taken that first step. But I'm going to ask you to do one thing at the end of this, so, so be prepared. Uh, but why do we get into these conflicts? I, I think the, the simple answer is just disagreement, right? We have disagreements over priority, what we see as important, this happens in marriage, this can happen in the workplace, it happens in our city, that there's a priority, we have a difference of priority with people. Or there's expectations that aren't met. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but I think most of the conflict in our life comes when our expectations are unmet. But the difference is, usually these expectations we have are not spoken. Well, you should know that's what I wanted. You should know that's what I needed. And so when we don't get it, we get upset. So it's the unmet, unspoken expectations that often lead to conflict or injury. Uh, not just physical injury, but this emotional or verbal injury. You, you might say things if you're a student, the teacher just has it out for me. Uh, the boss says I can never do anything right. I, I never get credit when I, when I do the right things. My parents are always on me. My kids will never listen to me. So we have these conflicts that come from more of relational injury, not physical, but emotional as well. And these hurts lead to conflict or misunderstanding. This is a big one. 
the, the misunderstandings that we have with one another. You might say, like, I didn't even know I did that. I didn't know you were upset about that. I, I really think this is one of those areas that leads to the most problems. Because we never knew. We never knew what was going on. There's this misunderstanding. That's not what I meant. Just think text messages. Uh, a lot of you probably text, but receiving the all caps text message, you're like, why are they yelling at me about nothing, right? It was an accident, but this misunderstanding. Or I learned when I was a youth pastor, uh, when I was in a hurry, I would often just respond with K, right? Don't ever respond with K. If you, if you text, uh, that, that is the K stands for the killer of conversation, all right? Do not respond with with K, I've hurt many people's feelings and I didn't even know, right? So the misunderstandings that we have with people often lead to conflict. And a lot of this conflict comes from our own selfishness, jealousy, that there's all kinds of things that can lead to conflict. So it's easy. I promise you want some conflict, it would be easy to get in conflict today. But peace, peace is hard. Peace is hard. To seek peace, to live in peace with one another, it is hard. And the reason it's hard is because it doesn't happen by accident. You, you will not just wake up one day and be at peace with people. It is something that we have to be intentional about. We have to seek out peace. We have to do it on purpose when we're in the midst of conflict. And so I, I really believe, if, if you read the Gospels, if you read the Bible, that, that God is about peace God is about us having peace with him, about being reconciled in right relationship with him, but it doesn't stop there. God is about us being reconciled with one another, at being in peaceful relationship with one another, of seeking peace in our communities. God is about peace. And so if you want to be a person of peace, if you want to be someone who seeks after peace, you're going to have to be intentional about this. You're going to have to strive for it. Now, as I said before, some of you may not be a follower of Jesus. You may not be a Christian. But if you are here today and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you claim that, if you confess to be a learner of Jesus, I think we have to respond and deal with conflict in a certain way. That it should look very differently how we as followers of Jesus respond to conflict. And I can't stress this enough. Hopefully, I, I, I try and say this every week, that as a follower of Jesus, we are invited to follow him. The early disciples who were invited to follow him, there was this expectation when Jesus extended the invitation that they would begin to look like Jesus. That's it. Like they weren't really sure. They knew he was a rabbi and they, they knew some of the things that were going on. But Jesus comes and he says, follow me. And when Jesus says, follow me, it was an invitation to something much more to their lives. And the real invitation was to look like Jesus to learn the ways of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but early on, if you read through Acts, the Christians were called a part of the way. That's how they referred to them. They're a part of that way. The way of doing life, the way of treating one another, the way of serving people, they are a part of the way. We are a part of a way of doing life that looks differently, it should look differently than those who don't confess to follow Jesus. And one of the things I, with my, with my boy, Cade, who's seven and a half, uh, often people will see pictures or they'll see pictures of me when I was little and they say, oh, he looks just like you. He looks just like you, which hopefully he should. He's my, my boy. He looks just like you. But my mom, and my mom, when she's around Cade, she'll say things like, 
he acts just like you. Usually good things, but he acts. He acts just like you. So there's a difference. There's a difference. Some people on the outside, I mean, he looks like you. But man, when he acts like me, we, we've, we, as followers of Jesus, have an opportunity to act like Jesus. And I think this is one of the best opportunities to do that is when we find ourselves in conflict. Because we are a part of the way that is different. And being a part of the way is to be people of peace. So you're going to have opportunities to put this into practice. I know for certain that you're going to have opportunities to put these things into practice because we are around people. Right? You work with people. You live by people. You live with people. We, we are going to have conflict because people are involved. There's times in the midst of conflict and, and difficult days where I'm like, man, it would be, it'd be nice sometimes just a, a hermit in the woods and not have to deal with things. But we're not. We're around people. And so because we're around people who are not perfect and who are broken, including us, we bring our own brokenness into every relationship we have. And so because of that, there is conflict that comes. And so because they're not perfect, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, we're going to have some of those difficult times. And so last week we looked at Romans, Romans 12, uh, one and two, as we wrapped up the creating a better, better story. And we looked at Paul, who was a real guy writing a real letter to a group of Christians in Rome about really what it means to follow Jesus. I explained that the first 11 chapters were really about who God is. And then in Romans 12, one, he gives this word, therefore. So therefore, if you believe all of that, then this is how you should put it into practice. And, and he makes the phrase, don't conform. Don't conform anymore to the patterns of this world. So as we think of how some people deal with conflict, we get people back. They hurt me, well, I'm gonna hurt them in return, right? We can apply this scripture to that as well. Don't, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but, but be transformed. Change the way we handle conflict. Let's do it different, and we do that by renewing our mind. So then he, he goes on just after that a few verses. He talks about how we all have gifts in the church. We have gifts to bring to one another. And then in verse 9, in verse 9, we're going to look at this. And at the end of this, I don't know if you memorize scripture, if you write scripture somewhere, but this is going to be one of those scriptures that we're going to see all over this series. And so maybe it's one you want to memorize, but, but I want to read up to verse um, 18. It says this, chapter 12, verse 9. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. I'd encourage you to take that. But it says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil cling to what is good. I don't know if you know that. We often talk about how we're not supposed to hate people. That's, that's right, but we hate what is evil. We hate what is evil and we cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. So if we could just do that, right? If we could just do that, if everybody could do that, we wouldn't have conflict, but we don't. And then you have verse 18, and this is the one I'm going to encourage you to maybe, maybe memorize. It says this, if it is possible, 
as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Ah, oh. if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So Paul's saying a couple of really important things, even in just this, this verse. And the first thing is, I think sometimes it may not be possible. It may not be possible to, to live at peace with everyone. Uh, I, as a pastor, I'm not a counselor, but I often meet with people in my office and we talk about what's going on in life and struggles and they want a little bit of guidance. And, and I would guess that probably 90% of the time that we're talking about conflict. Conflict with their spouse, with their kids, with their parents. It's almost always about conflict. And I always talk about this scripture. Is it possible? Is it possible to be at peace with them? We can't control others. That'd be great if we could, but we can't. So it may not be possible. But, but what he says next is, it depends on you. As much as it depends on you. So I'll often sit with people and I'll say, are you doing all you can to be at peace with people? Are you taking the steps that you need to to take. And these are the things we're going to talk about in the, in the next couple of weeks. Are, are you doing everything that you're able to do to be at peace with them? Are you finding peace knowing that you've done all that you can to be at peace with that person? And, and I think often as I ask this question, they don't know what to do. They, they may not know if they've done all that they can, but it's, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. And there's some reasons why I think this is important for us to do. And one of those is because I think when we're not at peace with one another, that when we're in conflict with someone, it really impacts our relationship with God. Right? Our relationship with God, when we're healthy with our relationship with God, I promise you'll begin to have healthier relationships with other people. Right? We, we, we've said this, I've said this before, this right angle living, that when this relationship with God, the Father, is good, I really will have better relationships. But I also think it goes the other way. If I'm in conflict with one another, if my heart is becoming bitter, if my heart is becoming hardened towards other people, I also believe it will impact my relationship with God. First uh, John, he says, we, we can't say we love God and then hate our brother. Right? There's this direct correlation between the two, how we see one another and how we see God. And so if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone because it will impact everything. And so I want to give you the first step. And so this is the, this is the one that is really the hardest. I think this is the one that keeps us from seeking peace with one another. And that's this. Make the first move. Make the first move. Often what happens is in, in conflict, we're waiting on the other person. Right? We're waiting on them. They're the ones who made the mistake. They're the ones who said the thing that, that hurt me. They're the one that's causing the problems. I'm going to wait for them to come to me. But I think as people of the way, people who are called to seek out peace, we're supposed to make the first move. Now, this is scary. 
Right? This is scary to, to approach someone that we have conflict with. We, it's the unknown. We don't know how they're going to respond or what they're going to do. And so we're often hesitant to make the first move. It's, it's hard to make the first move in anything. I, I remember making the first move with, with Heather and, and dating her. And, and man, I was terrified. Uh, there's a coffee shop in Alton, Missouri right now called uh, the Post Commons. Um, that there's a pastor that I've read and I've followed for probably the last five or ten years he speaks at the largest conferences. He's a church planter. He's done unbelievable things. He lived in Denver, Colorado, owned a huge ranch, had a multiple uh, service church, thousands of people, and he left it all. He left it all to move to Alton, Illinois, to live on mission and have an impact in Alton. The city of Alton gave him the post office. It wasn't being used, gave it to him, and so he has transformed it with a group of people and and I've been over there several times and then do my study and reading. I've taken Heather over there. I was there this week and I'm there and he walked in. That's not a big deal to you, is it? You're like, okay. And, right? And I text, I immediately text my wife and I was like, Hugh Halter is here. And she's like, okay, you know, I know from the other end, she's trying to be excited because I'm excited. She's like, are you going to talk to him? And I'm like, no, right? What am I going to, what am I going to say to this guy, right? And so, he, at the end, he comes by, he's like, hey, how's it doing? How's it going? Glad, you know, I'm glad you came in today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you halters talking to me, right? For you, that's no big deal. But for me, I'm like, I, I, what am I going to say to this guy? Right? Making the first move in almost anything is scary because it's the unknown. Right? We're afraid of being vulnerable with people. We're afraid of admitting our mistakes. It's difficult to own up our, on our part of the, the problem. And so if we're going to deal with conflict, if we're going to make the first move, that's part of it. We have to own our, our part, and that is, that is scary. And so you're going to have some conflict that's going to be resolved really quickly. It could be a simple thing, but, but for most of us, it's making this first move to begin to pursue peace with people. And so what's your normal response to conflict? What do you normally do? Um, there's two kind of, really three now, responses to stress and conflict that, that people way smarter than me uh, talk about. They talk about how you fight. Right? If there's stress, if there's conflict, we, we fight. We, we fight it out. We, we verbally fight it out. We, with our body language, we, we fight it out. With what we withhold from people, we, we want to fight through the, the conflict. And, and the word I often use when I talk to people is someone who is a spewer. Right? You, you know when they're mad. You know when they're upset. So is that you? Is that how you normally deal with, with conflict? Or are you more of the person who flees? Right? The, the flight idea. There's conflict. I'm not going to deal with conflict. And that's a majority of people. The majority of people don't like conflict. There are some of you who like it and may want to start it and you, wanna, you like that part of it. But, but for most of us, we want to avoid conflict as much as we can. So we let people do things to us. We, we let people even maybe, in a way, abuse us because we, we don't want to deal with the, the conflict. Both of these are not healthy. Both of these are, are unhealthy ways of pursuing peace. And so in making the first move, we have to understand what, what are we going to do as we, we make this move. But, but really, before we can get to that, you have to decide if you're willing to make the move. Right, right. So who is it? As, as, as much as it depends on you, if it's possible, 
Live at peace with everyone. Who are you not at peace with? Who are you not at peace with? And, and then the question is, are, are you willing to just even pray about taking that step? I know the answer to that prayer, but I think it's good for us still to, to begin to pray. But just to pray, God, would you give me the courage to make that step? Would you give me the courage to go to that person? So, so who is it and what's the issue that you're pretending doesn't exist? Right, so who is it that you are not living at peace with? And what's the issue that we just are kind of pretending, eh, there's really not an issue? Whether it's with a spouse or your parents, uh, at work, a neighbor, who is it? And so the, the first step I'm going to ask you to do is, is just maybe write it down. That's the step for you. Who is the person and why are we not at peace? What is causing the tension in our life? And, and then I would encourage you as we begin to look at this. And so, so work through that this week and then next week as I give you the tools and then do it. Because we have believed this lie that time will heal. We, we think that in, in the midst of conflict that if we just wait it out long enough that everything will be okay. But but really, I think time just really makes us bitter. It doesn't make us better. It doesn't make our relationships better. It just kind of makes us bitter. That This idea that time heals, I think, is a lie. Even this morning in a really simple thing, yesterday I was with my son and we're out and I look at my car and I'm like, oh, that back right tire is a little low. And I go home and I don't do anything. And then halfway here this morning, I hear this really horrible noise coming from the back of my, my car and I realize I have a flat tire. If I would have just taken care of it, if I would have just dealt with the issue when the issue came up, the consequences would have looked differently because I wasn't willing to deal with it and I thought, nah, it'll be all right. It'll, it'll take care of itself. It doesn't. And so those things that are going on in your, in your life, the areas where there are conflict, not just, ah, I got upset, it was me, it was dumb, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work through it, I'm okay, but, but the conflict, the, the, the conflict that's, destroying relationships, the, the conflict where you're punishing the other person in one way or another. Are you tired of it yet? Are you willing to believe, well, I, I'm going to begin to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it now. I'm going to have the conversation. I'm going to approach the person because I believe if I do that, that there could actually be some peace. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Can you say that you are doing all that you can? And if not, then you have to be willing to take the first step. Jesus says this in Matthew 5. Uh, Jesus talks a little bit about relationships and, and conflict. And, and this is one of those that he makes a statement that is extremely powerful. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. He says this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift... There in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Now, this is, this is fascinating to me because I interpret this and I, and I get the sense that Jesus is saying that reconciliation and peace takes precedent over worship. Because that's what's happening. People are coming to worship. People are coming to offer their, their gift. They're, they're seeking forgiveness. They're coming. And Jesus says, look, if you've got problems with someone, come back later. Come back later. 
but leave, leave your offering. You're going to come back, leave your offering and go and meet with that person. Because in our relationships with one another, when there's stress and there's conflict, it impacts and influences our relationship with God. Jesus says, you make the move. And what's interesting about this scripture is that they have something against you. Jesus in this moment isn't saying, hey, if you're mad at someone, if you're, if you're angry because of what they did to you, you need to go deal with that. No, Jesus is saying someone else has something against you. And you know it. Are you willing to make the move? Are you willing to believe that seeking peace and reconciliation even, even may take precedent over coming into this place and singing songs and worship? It's important. It's vital. If we are a part of the way, if we are a part of the way of Jesus, then this will take precedent in our life. That we will not allow conflict just to go on without dealing with it. That we will even make the first move to begin to work through it, not just ignore it, not just to pretend that it's going to go away. So I don't know, maybe there's something stirring in you now. Fear may be creeping in, afraid of the conversation, not knowing how the other person will respond. And so listen to me very clearly. Uh, I'm even not even asking you, and maybe this doesn't make sense, but I'm just asking you right now to pray, to ask God who it is that you have the conflict with and then begin to ask if he would help you make the first move. And then next Sunday, I'm gonna give you some tips because I think there are some wrong ways to do this. I think there are some really healthy ways to deal with conflict, but you have to be willing. You have to be willing to make the first move in dealing with it. Uh, Jesus, at the beginning of the the Sermon on the the Mount, uh, he, he gives us what's called the Beatitudes. And for a long time, and maybe you've heard someone teach about this, it says blessed are, and then it gives a person, and then it gives a because. And a lot of times people preach this as a, this is what we should aspire to be, right? So if I'm going to inherit the kingdom of God, then I need to aspire to be those things. But Dallas Willard, a great theologian who wrote Divine Conspiracy, he often talks about how that doesn't make sense, right? Blessed are those who mourn. I do not believe God is asking us to aspire to be people who are always mourning, right? What, what I think, what, what I think Jesus is saying in these moments is when you are those things, you're not forgotten. So when you are mourning, God is near to the brokenhearted. When you are poor in spirit, when you, when you feel like you can't worship anymore, when you're struggling in your relationship with God, God knows you and sees you and is with you. And so he says in this, our blessed or happy are the peacemakers. Happy are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Jesus, in the, the beginning of the really the only collection of messages that he gives, this sermon that he gives, he starts by saying these things. The spirit of God is near to those who will be peacemakers, who are willing to look different, to not conform to how other people deal with conflict, not to repay evil with evil, not to get back at people who have, have hurt us, but blessed are you, happy are you when you are peacemakers because you are a son or a daughter of God. Uh, Greg's gonna come up and, and close us here. In these moments as he, as he does this, I really just hope you'll begin to ask God, will he give you the courage to do this? 
that as we know the collisions happen all around us, that, that people may have it out for us and, and we're in conflict with people, are you willing, as much as it depends on you, are you able to do all you can to be at peace with people? And that means even taking the first step of you making the move. Would you stand with me as we pray and we'll end with, with our song? Father, I know in these moments for many of us, um, as we talk about conflict and broken relationships and hurt, there's this thing that begins to stir in our heart, God, and I know that. I think there's some regret that gets stirred in there, Lord, and some fear, shame. There, there's all kinds of things that come into our mind as we think about the conflict we're in with people around us. But God, I pray that you would help us to see that there's hope. You are a God who reconciles us back to you. That while we were still sinners, while we were broken and we're in conflict with you, God, you made the way to us. So God, would we understand that and believe that today, that we have found peace because of your move. And so Lord, would we understand you have now called us to be people of peace, who seek peace out, who want to be reconciled to those around us. Would you give us the courage to make the first move? Would you bring to mind those that we haven't done all that we could do to be at peace? Would you help us to see that? And Lord, I am looking forward and believing with hope that there will be people who will find peace in these relationships. That the things that were broken will be mended. Relationships that are hurting will be fruitful. That things will go well because you are the God of peace. And you have called us those who are part of the way, Jesus. Father, to be a part of this way where we are peacemakers. Would you help us, Lord? Pray in Jesus' name.